Hey, really quick before we get into this latest episode of Can't Knock the Shuffle, I want to thank everybody who's been supporting the podcast, spreading the word, sharing, uh, giving great feedback. Really appreciate it. One more thing. If you haven't already done so, please rate the podcast on Apple Podcasts and leave a quick little review. It really helps a show like this at this stage of its development. So thank you again for all the support. Let's keep it going. And now here is the latest episode of Can't Knock the Shuffle. Welcome to Can Knock the Shuffle. I am Sean Kantrowitz. I'm a music producer. I'm a TV producer, the host of a hip hop game show called The Questions, and I'm kind of obsessed with how songs get made. As a fan, I've always noticed that artists typically only get asked about the same handful of songs throughout their entire career. It's always made me wonder, what about the stories behind those lesser known songs, the ones that journalists tend to overlook? And in my experience, those unheard stories are the ones that the artists really want to talk about anyway. So that's why Can't Knock the Shuffle exists. I take an artist's entire catalog, I put it in a playlist, throw it on shuffle, and then we talk about whichever songs are randomly selected. We take the interview angle out of the equation and leave it up to the algorithm to dictate which stories get told. Hmm, how do I set this one up? Over the past decade and change, rapper Homeboy Salmon has built a career off of being boldly eclectic with his music. He uses unorthodox rhyme styles, and he's got a unique voice that has little regard to current trends. He's released albums on record labels like Stone's Throw and Mellow Music Group, and he's collaborated on projects with Aesop Rock, Edon, and most recently, Quelle Chris, who produced the entirety of Homeboy Sandman's latest album, Don't Feed the Monster, the most vulnerable and personal collection of songs that he's ever done. An advocate for social causes and positivity, the Ivy League-educated MC also published a series of essays for Huffington Post and Gawker in the past decade that provocatively drew attention to some of society's more problematic practices, sometimes even including hip-hop's audience in the crossfires as well. We get all into it in our conversation. The person that I'm speaking with in this episode insisted on being identified as Angel, aka Visitor, but I assure you there's no one better equipped to dive into the stories behind Homeboy Sandman's songs. So let's get into it. Yo, it's Can't Knock the Shuffle. You know what it is, unless this is your first time hearing this, in which case I will now acquaint you with what it is. We are going through the catalog today of Homeboy Sandman, and we are joined by someone who knows him better than perhaps anyone could. If we were going to talk to anybody in the world about the Homeboy Sandman catalog, we are joined here by Visitor. Sure. Uh, so how are you, sir? How are you doing today? I'm chilling. Thanks. That was a great intro. This is The Visitor, otherwise known as Angel who was known as Homeboy Sandman. So you got the, the triumvirate and we could speak to the direct meaning of all joints. Absolutely. And if anybody needs further clarity, uh, fill out a self-addressed stamped envelope to uh, <laughs> the address that'll be in the show notes. We will draw you diagrams and, uh, you know, we're, we're going to go all into it, you know, but I think you guys, we have a smart audience, I assume. So uh, we've got your whole catalog here and we've mixed it up into a random playlist. So we're going to get into it. You're somebody who's very prolific. You have a, or a homeboy, Sandman, uh, you know, has had a very prolific catalog. Right, right. Well, you know, um, making joints, is what I do every single day. It also so happens to be like my career. The catalog that I have out is is less than the unreleased Homeboy Sandman music. You know what I mean? But you know, I guess sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll cool out and write less, but I write a lot and I make a lot of joints because I love to do it. So it's not like I'm doing it just to, 
you know, make money on a record or the tour. Like, it's what I got to do anyway. That's why I got so many joints. Right. So you're saying you'd be doing it anyway. Yeah, I feel I feel really blessed to, you know, to 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 to. Yeah, to have my records be the be the foundation of my existence in a way. Someone. It just so happens, again, this is random, but it just so happens that it, we're kind of starting early in the first one of our song. And I feel like this is, I, I almost questioned about whether or not I should put this in there because it feels like a bit of an outlier, but I think we can still talk about it regardless. So the first song we have up is from your first album, uh, Nourishment, Second Helpings. And it's a song, it's a brief song, but it is a song called Nuts. My Nuts. Go. My Nuts. You've been praised by many of the elite writers and, and the press and, and other MCs about being a very thoughtful and intricate writer. And then also on your debut, you have a song called My Nuts. So right. tell me sort of what the inspiration was behind this track and, and sort of where your headspace was at when you were making this album in 2007. But that was my first album ever, you know what I mean? And and I kind of, um, you know, I was so happy because my whole life I've heard joints and I've been like, Dag, somebody should rap over that. Dag, somebody should loop that. Dag, somebody should, that would be hot. But I never could really do that because I wasn't a rapper. You know what I mean? I didn't. I guess I was, but didn't really realize I was. But I hadn't really come into realizing that I was. But at that space, I was in my mid twenties. You know what I mean? And I was in a in a more reckless state of mind. And and I was yeah. I, I loved that that Timberlake. I was like, Dad, somebody should rap on that. And I was like, Dang, I can rap on that. I'm a rapper now. Let me rap on that. One time I was at. I forget if it was Trinity. I think maybe it was Trinity College. And I was doing like some event. This was mad early in my career. And it turned out that it was like a, you know, it was like a feminism type event, which I didn't know. You know what I'm saying? And so you came out on stage to this song, just like- I didn't come out to this song, but this song was in my set. So I did like three joints, had them in the palm of my hand, Sean. They were like, this dude is the best ever. Then I hit him with my nuts. And the thing about it was, you listen to my nuts, ain't nothing wrong with the song. I got nuts. They my nuts and I'm I break it down, you know. They, you know, this is a fun tune. It's a fun tune about, you know, whatever. But they didn't know how to take it. And then they just, since they looked at each other and were like, wait a minute, are we mad at this? Are we mad at this? And they, they didn't know if they was mad at it. They figured, when in doubt, be mad. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so they got kind of mad. And then, you know, my set was a short set, like five joints. But, yo, you should have seen the switch. Because they were like, oh, I can't rap. I don't I don't think, you know, I wonder if I remember the rhyme said this whole song. I don't know if I remember all the words, but I don't really feel that there's anything, you know, rap is so awful with the misogynistic stuff that, that, it, that it be having. And I don't think there's nothing like that in this record. However, there is a standard, like, I hold myself to a higher standard now that I was on that record, you know, as far as, far as you know, dust, just two records ago on Dusty. I had all types of stuff like my nuts, you know what I mean? So, so, you know, there have been all types of fluctuations uh, throughout my life, but 
that joint and that album, I was having a ton of fun. And that joint is the jam. Like that story comes up in mind because that's the only time that song fell flat. You know what I mean? I used to do that song and it was fun. Cash thought it was funny because I'm still busting rhymes. Well, my nuts are swollen. I call a pretty girl to come ride the Poland. I call her though because that's a female deer. Everybody knows I calls females deer or whatever it was. But it's still slick. Do you, when you look back at earlier material, and like you said, you sort of, you, we wouldn't find a song like this on your latest record. You know, as somebody who has put out a lot of records, do you do you hold on to it? Or do you, when you revisit it, do you, is it almost like looking at like an old photo and you're like, oh, why was I wearing that shirt? Or do you not, does that <laughs> not really happen? Um, you know what? Not with the song My Nuts that you just played, but with the record that I brought up that came out in 2019, Dusty, I feel like I was in a real spiritual low at the time when I was making it. You know, I'm grateful to God, you know, for giving me capabilities and aptitudes musically. You know what I mean? So like the place I was spiritually, you know, those capabilities and aptitudes are still there. So I still feel like, like people hit me up. Like, they, you know, I know some people really like Dusty and there's some stuff on Dusty that's flavor, like no worthies flavor. There's, a, there's like four joints on there that I like, but the rest of them, I just know, like, I'm like, dag, I, I never before in my career had a record that I was like, I hope this is not the first record I'm on people here because then they'll think that this is my predominant headspace, which it was at the time. But I've never felt, even though I've been all, like I got all types of different headspaces, but it was really on Dusty because I just feel like I was at such a low spiritually. I had lost a good amount of faith and I was really going through a lot of crises. But, you know, it was it was all for the best because the don't feed the monster is is the is the other side of the coin. It's like coming out of that cave and coming out of that, you know, that chaos that was going on. You know what I mean? So it's all worked it. Song two. The next song is a year later from the actual factual pterodactyl album, and it is Lightning Bolt, Lightning Rod. Lightning bolts racing through the sky. Some are his, some are hers, most of them are mine. So sorry, with the scraps, needs a calamine. Me and mine, fresh and clean, strictly sanitized. Everywhere that I go, people always ask, have any enemies taking you to test? I reply, no indeed, that'd be very hard. I'm a lightning bolt, lightning bolt, lightning, lightning rod. Lightning bolt, lightning bolt, lightning, lightning bolt. This was a point where I think you were really starting to bubble in uh, the New York, you know, underground scene. Uh, you, were, you were getting a lot of positive press, you know, particularly around the time of this album. Would you say that a song like Lightning Bolt, Lightning Rod is like an unorthodox style because of how melodic and sort of sing-songy it was? And at the time, I really feel like there wasn't a lot that was happening like that in the circles you might have been in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I never felt like it was conventional. I always felt like it was, you know, special. And uh, when I came out with that song and that record, I was still doing open mics all the time and hitting whatever stage, doing whatever little showcase. And I would, but when I would bust that song out, a lot of cats, you know, similar to that feminism thing I was at, which now, you know, I'm not trying to get at the feminist, by the way. I, they, they had no, they didn't have no reason to be mad at me for, for dropping that joint. Oh, maybe they did or whatever, but. You know, they was just young kids. They didn't know no better. They just wanted to make sure everybody knew they could get mad. <laughs> yeah, I used to break it out and cats would be like, this doesn't sound like what we listen to all the time. Do we like it or do we don't like it? Luckily, though, the story of my life is people being like, yo, this dude is completely strange and they, we don't know what to think of him. Luckily for me, there's one person willing to be like, yo, that's hot. 
And that, that, that usually helps. If, if you get one person, like, I, I, you know, I used to promote shows when I was in college. And uh, if you get a group of people walking by, if you can get the first person to take the flyer, everybody behind them will take the flyer. If the first, person, if the first person doesn't take the flyer, nobody's taking that flyer. You got to wait for a whole new group of people to walk by. That is word up. And that is, that is, you know, mob mentality or whatever, whatever it is, whatever term it is. But that's a perfect example of it. You all would notice the same thing when I would go out around the time when I did AFP, actual factual, I would actually just print my lyrics out and take them on the train and just pass them out. Like, I'd be like, yo, I'm a rapper. My, my joints are so hot. You don't even got to hear them. You could just read them. You know what I mean? And if I went on a train car... If one person said, oh, I'll take them, then 10 person people would say it. But if no, that first person didn't step up, nobody would, you know? I knew it was heat. The beat is heat. You know, over time, you know, now now it's like people that are familiar with my catalog, you know, back at, back in the day, they requested a lot that they would want to hear Lightning Bolt, you know what I mean? Because it was real fun and it was a real energy. And that was the energy of the time, you know, for me. And, you know, really, really in the, in the, in the atmosphere I was in, it was kind of like, uh, yo, we're going to have a lot of fun. There was a... I don't know if it was reactionary to all the, yo, how tough we all vibe that had been going on. But um, I was like, yo, I'm going to make a nice, fun lightning bolt cast, wondering what it's about. You know, what, what does it mean, lightning bolt? It's about electricity. You know what I'm saying? It's about transference. You know what I'm saying? Or, or I had written a whole nother verse to the to the beat. Core Rhythm gave me that beat. And I had written, I don't think it was a whole verse, but it was like a piece of it. But then when I was in the train, I was at West 4th Street waiting for the F train because I was living in Queens at the end of the F train on Sutphin at the time. And then I just, that lightning bolt came into me, came, came to me right there. And I remember I was, I was sit, I was, I was up against a, um, a, a staircase railing coming down and I was like, Oh, I'm scrapping that other stuff. I'm doing a lightning bolt joint. I love the lightning bolt. And, and yo, a lot of cats hated on the lightning bolt. You know what I mean? Cause cats was already mad. Cause like you were saying, I was starting to, you know, get, get a little, who is this cat? You know, he's nice with it. You know what I mean? And cats that had been trying to get on for however long and just wasn't nice was mad at me. You know what I'm saying? And some cats that were nice were mad at me, too, because they didn't have work ethic or whatever. And some cats, you know, were just mad at me because that's how they wake up. But but when I gave them the lightning bolt, they hated that. They were like, yo, oh, man, this ain't this ain't tough at all. This ain't a this kid is, you know, he's out here smiling. Then when I came up with the video, they hated it. Yo, he's out here having fun on the train. And I loved it, yo. And I would go in there. I would go in the spots and I would do the lightning bolt and look at their face. I would zap a lightning bolt right at their face, big. (laughs) (laughs) Was it tough at any point? Because you seem, you know, you seem rather self-assured in your style as MCs tend to need to be. Did it take you a minute to sort of land in a place where you comfortably... Like, basically, are there there old homeboys Sandman tapes that we might never hear where you... Fans wouldn't even recognize it because you sounded like you were conforming to what was hot at the time. There was there was joints that I did when I was smoke when I was high that never came out that I have. But this was before before I ever took rap seriously. You know, I would be uh, uptown Lightning Music Studios is what we called it. My boy Chiva, we would just be up there smoking and making records. You know what I mean? And I would play them at the barbershop. I would still go to the barbershop at that time. You know what I'm saying? Like, but yo, this Zoom thing is cool because it made my beard look completely black. I can't see none of the whites in my beard, yeah. Like, it's one of like- it's one of the biggest features of the app. It's it's you know <laughs> if, if they are not putting it on the front page of the Zoom website, then they need to. And maybe you should you should endorse them or something. That's definitely one of the good things. So so when I was smoking, I was more like just rapping about oh I come from Queens. Oh 
I like girls, girls like me. Oh, you know, all the regular tropes. And and even if you listen to my first record, um, stylistically, I think you can hear that Eminem, you know, but I know there's a song on there called City Dark, where I think I, you could tell that Black Thought is a big influence for me. There's a song called Comrade Punchkey because Pun was, you know, like, I think stylistically, my influences were also more apparent earlier on. But by my second record, I think I started to develop my own sound. I was always rewarded for being me. God always rewarded me for being me. You know what I mean? Like, God always rewards me for being me and punishes me for not being me. And sometimes it don't even correlate with the way it appears to people. You know what I mean? Like, sometimes it looks like I'm getting, a, like, things are going great because I'm not being me. But trust me, they're not. <laughs> Was there anybody in, like, those formative years? Obviously, you said stylistically you could trace a lot of the earlier stuff to, like, M and Pun and Black Thought. But in terms of, like, unorthodox creativity, obviously, there were a lot of MCs early on. It used to be everybody was celebrated for having very wildly different styles. And then, you know, things got a little more homogenized. And I think by the time you were kind of bubbling up and percolating in in this era, there wasn't as much diversity. So was there anybody, what what were you looking to? I know that you said you found like your own style, but obviously we all exist in sort of like a cultural echo chamber, right? Where we might take elements and things. Was it non-hip hop influences that were sort of coming to you? Was it rappers like your contemporaries or people from the past? I really just feel, I mean, I can definitely say that, you know, I'm a music fan and I love, you know, all different types of genres. And I I definitely instinctually shy away from things that sound like things that have already happened. I don't want to sound like nobody else. I don't even want to sound like myself. That's why my records be sounding so different from each other, because I don't even want to sound like I sound. You know what I'm saying? You know, one person that I didn't name was the Fresh Prince, who was that was the first record I knew front to back was he's a DJ, I'm the rapper in 1987. And that was another, yo, I'm here to have fun. You know what I mean? I'm nice with it and I'm having fun. I was lucky to to leave New York for my high school years. I went to this boarding school called the Holderness School in New Hampshire. And it was funny because, you know, growing up, you know, we had doo-wop tapes and we had rated R tapes. We had clue tapes, but we knew all the New York rap dudes. You know what I mean? And, you know, obviously BDP and... You know, Kane and all that had been earlier, LO, you know what I'm saying? The Slick Rick, of course. But then getting into my high school years, we had all the, you know, New York cats was doing anything. But then I went to high school and I got put on to the roots. I got put on to Hyrule, got put on to stuff that cats in New York didn't know about, you know what I mean? And that I had never knew about. So I got to find different palettes, you know what I mean? And kind of, it was easier for me because I had been exposed to more at an earlier age to try to find new creative chambers because, you know, I didn't have tunnel vision as much, you know? So I thought that was useful too. This is one of the more recent songs that you've put out. It came out earlier this year. It is the song Trauma from Don't Feed the Monster. I got trauma from my mama. She used to beat me down as if she was the brown bomber. I couldn't figure out a way to make her feel calmer. I think about it now, it kinda make me feel somber. I used to think about it, didn't make me feel nothing. Acting like it mattered, didn't make me feel toughin'. Feeling tough is really like my number one focus. From growing up in the city, lots of people feel hopeless. And listening to music about sex and violence. Just a matter of time for we was like less trotters. Started having sex when I was 12 years old. My brain wasn't even done growing. Coming from a mom that used to wild. You came on the questions hip hop 
uh, game show right before the song dropped. And you were you were teasing. You were saying, yo, the, the Homeboy Sandman's single is dropping tomorrow. I was like, oh, okay, bet. I'm going to listen to this. You know, like, I, I, you know, I, I don't always know what you're going to do, but I, but I usually have an idea of what it's going to be. And I listened to this. I was in bed trying to be quiet, uh, not to wake anybody. And I listened to it. And I just was, I felt like I almost cried. It was a very personal and very vulnerable song. And I feel like I've already said too much. I really just want to give you the platform to sort of speak on that. I feel gratitude, you know, that 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 it that it made you feel, you know what I mean? That um that makes me feel good, you know. All the glory be to God. You know, this joint, you know, like I talked about my record previous to Don't Feed the Monster was Dusty, you know what I mean? And I really think that Dusty was just a time where a lot of my trauma that I had gone through was 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 manifesting itself in, in in so many ways in my life, but I just didn't want to look at it and I just wanted to fight it and I just wanted to ignore it and I just wanted to say, yo, I'm so strong that I don't need to deal with any of this. Yo, I could... There was a lot of denial going on, straight up. You know what I mean? Mad denial going on. And yeah, I started, you know, uh, I talk about it in the song, you know, that fantasy is a part of when I started getting sick. I had crazy psoriasis all over my body. And what was this? This was recent? Yeah, this was, yo... I got out of a relationship in January of this year with a girl that wasn't a bad girl, but just I shouldn't have been in that relationship with her. And, and the worst was coming out of me in that relationship. You know what I'm saying? I couldn't sleep at night. I was up every night. Yo, I was up for a month, yo. But I mean, I would fall asleep and then wake up. You know what I mean? So I would go to sleep. So I wasn't up for a month because I would go to sleep at like, you know, 12 and then wake up at two, couldn't go back to sleep. You know what I mean? And that would happen every single night, baby. And then my skin was wilding. And then my creativity, yo, I couldn't even, yo, I couldn't write. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't, you know, there wasn't nothing coming to me. You know, God sends it to me, you know what I'm saying? And it wasn't, like I was wilding. Everything was going crazy. But that was because I wasn't, I had to sit down and I had to read, you know what I mean? I had to read psychoanalysis. I had to start dream journaling. I had to, you know, get back on my healthy eating, you know what I'm saying? I had to make changes in my life, get out of relationships that I was comfortable in and felt safe in because I knew they wasn't the right thing. I had to start doing things, man. I need to start being responsible for myself, you know what I mean? I was taking the easy way out in a lot of different components of my life, you know? I really wasn't holding myself to the right standard. To be honest with you, I was like... This is better than other cats rap, so that's fine. You know what I mean? And I've never been like that. You know what I mean? But I started to be like that. You're talking about your 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 actual your music, like the content yeah, of your yeah, music. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like I was starting to I was starting to look at my life like, yo, I'm comfortable, whatever, I'm making money, I'm making records, whatever. You know, I'm eating, I got my whatever, like coasting. I was coasting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was it was nasty. It was nasty. But I bring it all back to trauma because you know, I was actually talking to a friend of mine yesterday on the phone and she was like, you know, when you get into a real a real long relationship, it'll bring up just the stuff that went on with your mother and your father and with your... And this was the longest relationship of my life that I, you know, that I was in at the time. And it'll bring up what happened to you early and, you know, and then, you know, that, that definitely was the case to me. You know, I started realizing that I never faced a lot of the stuff and I never... Like, I, I made that record and I... And I was honest in it because that's what God sent me. And yo, this record saved my life. At the time I did this record, I couldn't sleep still. You know what I mean? Because I, yo, I did this record February or March. You know what I mean? I still couldn't sleep, but I was like, yo, if I can't sleep, at least I could rhyme. So I would be in the morning when it would get light out. 
And I would just be lying there, like, please let me fall asleep before it gets light. But then it would get light. But I would be like, yo, at least I thought of some stuff. You know what I mean? And then the the, the next day, I would have, have no idea what I was going to do all day. But I'll be like, yo, let me just walk up and down the stairs and see if I can write something. So this record saved my life for real because I didn't know what was going to go on, you know? I needed to just let it all out. I needed to just talk about it. And a lot of the stuff in that record is stuff that I haven't even told people that are really close to me, you know? So it was kind of interesting. I don't think there's anything in there that I never told anybody, you know what I mean? But there's a lot of stuff in there that only one, two people knew, you know? And and the one, two people knew that, they didn't know the other part though. They didn't know, you know what I mean? But it was really really like getting a a burden off me to, to, to make this song because... You know, I read this book by this woman named um, Clarissa Pinkola Estes. It was called Women Who Run With the Wolves. I love the book. I mean, it's like my Bible. You know what I'm saying? I got quotes of it all on my phone. And she was talking about how secrets, you know, they just eating away at us. You know what I mean? Like you got secrets in it and secrets are tied to other things. So if you don't get rid of the secret, it'll mess some other thing up. You know what I mean? And I felt like I felt the relief when I made the song. I feel like my trauma is pretty benign, to be honest. You know what I mean? Like. Like I say in the joint, compared to everybody else, I had it so easy. And that's true. Because I've had people call me up since the joint came out. Like, I'm, you know, I shared my story, but these stories is like, I don't think my stories is horror stories. You know what I'm saying? You know, it's my trauma and I'm not trying to belittle it or anything. It affected me and it affected, you know, I have to work on it. You know what I mean? I have to work on my relationships with women that come from my relationship with my moms. You know what I mean? I need to work on you know, different lust issues and stuff like that. I need to work on it. But yeah, man, thank God for that record, Joe. I love the joint, you know what I mean? It sort of feels like there's been a shift too in like popular culture, and especially if you want to look at like, you know, in hip hop culture, therapy and uh, and counseling are sort of often not even really looked at as uh, reliable options or options for a lot of people to have. I mean, you look at any at any cultures. A lot of times, people are sort of reluctant or resistant to that sort of like mental care. It sort of seems like an apt song for the time that we're living in. It doesn't make it any less vulnerable or or brave to put out a song that is so personal, but it's befitting of the time right now as we all sort of collectively start to be like, oh, you know what? Maybe it's better to talk about these things rather than like grit your teeth and carry this boulder on your back for the rest of your life. I I will be very, very happy if it is. Yeah, if it's a contribution to that evolution, you know what I mean? Of people, of people feeling comfortable realizing that they need help or, you know, need to work on stuff or that they need to let something go or realizing that they don't need to be ashamed of what happened to them, you know, or realizing that if they made a mistake, you know, there's trauma from getting things done to you. There's trauma from doing things. You know what I mean? Like I had somebody talking to me about trauma that they had from doing something. You know what I mean? That's real. You know what I'm saying? You know, we all a bunch of idiots out here getting stupider and stupider every day. You know what I'm saying? So we ain't really got to try to act all brilliant with it. You know, we could we could we could keep it real and try to move forward with it. Yeah, we're all just some kids who grew up. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so now we're going back a couple of years, going to the Hallways album from 2014, and this is a song called Heaven Two. Hey yo, the concrete labyrinth is keeping me captive, hyperactive. I saunter through the cold city, no goals for the progeny approaching me. All types of ghosts, play me all types of close I wish that I could light some bulbs Rolling on my own like the Elm Street tricycle 
My eyes are soaked, the eyes are stoned This is ground zero, I woke up 20 hours ago I walk amongst the thousands, it's always left for miles to go This one definitely feels a little heavy-hearted as well yeah, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you the 100% truth. I wouldn't make that song, to, that beat, yo, I love that beat. That's an oh no beat. And I love that song. And it has that that energy of the, you know, there, there, there is a little somber energy going on with it. You know what I mean? But if I think about the song now, like it takes a topic, oh, the city is scary. You know, the city is kind of nerve wracking, you know, da, 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 da. Yeah, which, you know, which is valid. You know what I mean? But it ain't saying nothing new, you know what I mean? I think it's a flavor joint, but it lacks flavor in that it ain't really bringing nothing new to the tables for a subject matter or whatever. Like, eh, this is another thing, too. You know, I come up from Queens. I didn't grow up in the ghetto, you know what I'm saying? I've always been, you know, I got a rhyme on hallways, one of, one of the first things. Street don't want him around you too deep. Deep don't want him around you too street. You know what I mean? I've kind of always been on the cusp of this and that, you know what I mean? I can speak on those environments from familiarity with them for sure, but what's the purpose of that? What's the sense in that? Like, what am I trying to... Give me that beat again. I would like to take that beat and make another joint out of that. Like, there was a time for me, I really I really had too much to prove, you know what I mean? Come From not coming from the ghetto, but being like, but I ain't no pushover, you know what I'm saying? So let me make a song that cats... We'll see, yo, he sees what's going down. You know what I mean? He knows what it feels like out here. You know what I mean? Like, yo, but I don't got to, I don't got to, I don't got to show nobody that. I think that was, when I hear that song, I think to myself, why you making songs about how scared you see? And especially also too, I ain't scared of the city anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but it seemed like a good thing to say at the time. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause now I remember when I was writing that and when I was writing that, it was in a time when I was in the street often. And I just remember that, yo, the concrete labyrinth is is keeping me active or hyperactive that I can't remember. I sauntered through the coast, but I wrote that joint when it was cold, a lot of train riding and a lot of visuals, you know what I mean? When I would be out on foot, you know what I mean? Because heaven too, what I'm saying is, but there's a heaven too. Like it's not all bad. There's a heaven too, you know? And maybe that's the way I let myself off the hook. I definitely felt at the time that I was a proper delegate for the for the for the content of the record you know what i mean that i was that i was a proper rep representative i shouldn't beat myself up too much cuz right now i am further removed from that energy that i was definitely more submerged in and submerged in at the time and it was more relevant to me on a day-to-day basis a lot of the grit you know what i mean and a lot of the underbelly a lot of the underbelly and the underside of the city whereas now i don't be out like that and i don't even be out you know, when I talk to you about trauma and having to cut off some relationships, I don't even be in certain areas anymore, you know, around certain people anymore. So I don't even be around certain energies. It, it kind of brings to mind when you were talking about, you know, when you were out there and you're like thinking like, yo, the concrete labyrinth. And, you know, as a writer, I guess I kind of wonder, when does it sort of differentiate or is there a line between I'm writing a song because I have something to say and I'm writing a song because I'm really good at picking words that rhyme and sort of bending these words and making it stylistically sound dope, you know? Ideally, it should be a combination of the both. When I said I wish that I could light some bulbs, it's like, dang, I'm just trying to talk to these cats and they not. See, I'm really grateful, man. I'm really grateful that I've gotten to travel and go to school and go all over the world, rhyming, da-da-da, get some perspective. Because I'll be out here trying to talk and I really just wish I could light some bulbs, you know what I'm saying? But I'm rolling on my own like the Elm Street tricycle. There have been a lot of artists that are fantastic at 
painting that grim picture. You know what I'm saying? Um, so yeah, it's a picture that's been painted. It's a picture that's been painted a lot. I don't, yeah. That, and that's what we'll go back to my other point. Why do I really still need to paint this picture? But, but I guess I felt at the time, you know, it's still a picture that I could add some new color to, you know, on the new record, I got a joint. I can't remember the line before, but it says, and don't point out that I'm from Queens because that's a trope. You know what I'm saying? I don't want tropes no more. I don't want none of them. But as you play that, as you play that song for me, you know, even though I know I've been down in it a little bit, those bars is crazy. Those bars help. Like, yo, bars, I think bars help. Even if it is territory that's been well, like, traveled already, if you're not literally biting what somebody else said, you're going to provide some sort of unique perspective. Even if it's like, yo, you're saying something and this is, you know, a trope. But let, let me hear how you do it. This was a record of of a few that you put out with Stone's Throw, uh, which you know obviously is a pretty a pretty storied LA label. Were you out there recording or working at all in California, or were you still primarily working out of New York? I was still primarily in New York, but I would go over there. Uh, like some of the Stone's Throw joints, I would record over there. I would be I would be out there, you know, a couple of times a year, spending time at the offices and in the studio, you know, uh, cooking up stuff. And some of that stuff still hasn't come up. Do you prefer that way of working or do you sort of prefer to stay at the home base? Obviously, we're, we live in an age now where it's easy for people to just email you a file or a beat or whatever. But but I still prefer, you know, like me and Quelle, you know, we got we went to the studio in Jersey. You know what I'm saying? Zabe's a, a Roper Williams studio. I like being in studio, you know, with with human beings, I, you know, like. I, I, you know, but I, I definitely get beats sent to me and write joints and then go record them without ever meeting people, too. I guess New York is my home base, but, you know, the place that I recorded, Amplifonic Studios, where I recorded for the first however many years of my career is now gone. So, you know, I've been recording in Jersey and I've been recording in Brooklyn. And I, it's always cool for cats to be like, yo, we'll bring you out here to rap. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so far. We kind of talked about this a little bit, but uh, this is from 2019, the Dusty album, and the song is called Always. I found a place that you can't touch I found a high where I don't come down Carve my name with a pocket knife Stroll my lane, call my main when it's dark at night Ionize in the cosmos Most beautiful eyes that I ever did see Remains when my market race Like a moth to a flame for the market race in a I wrote that walking down um, Broadway in Brooklyn underneath the, the J um, when I was living in Williamsburg, East Williamsburg. And um, the genesis of that, uh, Mono and Stereo, that's that's his beat. And he did all, all of all of Dusty. And he did all of my cohort Photo Crescent record too. And he did a bunch of the records. You know, he did The Miracle, which was my first Stone Stone single and, and a bunch of joints. I love that beat. And I had that beat. And some beats... I have and I love and I wait for the day that I could saddle them. You know what I mean? They kind of like wild stallion, you know, uh, you know, shots to Bill and Ted, but they kind of like untamed stallions. You know what I'm saying? Even though I saw the new Bill and Ted, I love the original two Bill and Ted's. That used to be my goal as a, as a musician, save the world with the music, spread love. So I watched the new Bill and Ted. 
Remember, I would tell you, say to people, remember them like they were. You know what I mean? <laughs> Damn. Yeah, I, I, I was obsessed with the, with the first two. I, I was just telling somebody this. I used to rent. There was like a video rental store near my house. And like, I'm pretty sure for like three months, I just would rent the second one every weekend. And I'm thinking about it now as an adult. Like, why didn't my parents just buy? Like, we, we could have <laughs> saved money if they would have just bought the thing. And I wouldn't keep yeah. renting it. But I haven't seen the new one yet. And to be honest, I'm not really... It's not high about it. Yeah, but you know, I shouldn't, you know, check it out if you want to check it out. Cause Bill and Ted have given me so much. I don't want to be out here giving negative reviews of Bill and Ted. You know what I'm saying? That's fair. That's fair. But, 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 yo, part two was crazy. And the song at the end of part two. It was hot. I could do the whole thing. I'm not going to do the whole thing on your podcast. But it was hot. God gave rock and roll to you. You know what I mean? And yo, that was fitting because that was like the joint that put them on to save the world. You know what I mean? And then the new joint, the new, the, you, if you're going to have Bill and Ted save the world with their music, you got to have it end with a mega joint, you know? And they came through with that joint uh, with Bogus Journey, you know? So they, they, maybe they blew their load too early. They, they shot their, they shot their load too early. <laughs> <laughs> but we, but we digress. We, we, we digress. Yeah, to bring it all back to always, like I love that beat. It's so subtle, and it brought me so much. Just, and and you talk about, do I have something to say, or does this just sound really good? And like I say, ideally, you want them to be both, or I want them to be both. But with this song, it's more like poetry. You know what I mean? So, so I was very, very cognizant of. You know, and all the words mean something, but it's like spoken word and symbolism. You know what I mean? Like, I found a place that you can't touch. I found a high where I don't come down. Like, there was emotion and energy, but it shot through me. It shot through me. And I remember that I was on Broadway writing it because I was like, finally, I captured it. Because sometimes it takes a while. I don't know how long I had that beat, but it takes a while sometimes. Like, sometimes it takes, you know, years. I've had so I've had beats for years before I could find the fulcrum of them. But once I find that, then the next couple of days are beautiful or the next couple of hours, depending on how it works. You know, we're, we're, we're always, it only took an hour. But always is one of only four songs on Dusty that I, you know, plan to perform in the future. Because you said it, that that record sort of represents a darker or a heavier Yeah, yeah, yeah. Than. I don't like the energy. I don't like the energy, you know what I'm saying? Always, um, I really like that because... Like I say, my favorite artist of all time is Stevie Wonder. You know what I mean? But today on my ride over here, my playlist consists of Otis Redding, you know, consists of Lisa Lisa and the Cult Jam, consists of Daylight, consists of all types of beautiful records. You know what I mean? And I love stuff that's just pleasant to the ear. You know what I mean? Like I want to infuse it, you know, with, with, with all types of substance. I don't want it to be style, no substance. I want style and substance. But stylistically... I really am appreciative of, of you know, I, I got a rhyme on a new record. I'm an artist, not an entertainer. My brain is a receiver, not a generator. I'm a receiver. I really feel like this is coming from God. But when God sent me that, find a highway, I don't calm down. I love performing it. What is the place that you, you can't touch the high that you, that where you can't come down? What is that? Dag, for me, but that meant at that time was creatively I don't need to I don't need to be involved with you people anymore. The funny thing about that record was I lost a lot of faith in people. I even have a line in another song there that says basically I can't remember the line, but it says basically like I'm done trying to help y'all. Y'all and I worked it. You know what I mean? 
I found a place where you can't. It's like, yo, I could just, I'd be lost in my music and I could be here and I don't need to be tied to y'all. You know, I talk about before I wish that I could light some bulbs, you know? I've gotten so frustrated with trying to light, and I'm not out here like, like I'm a, I'm a, I'm dumb. I don't know most things if that, you know what I mean? But I don't like getting okie doped. You know what I'm saying? Cats be getting okie doped all left and right. And I be trying to talk about the okie doped. Yo, this music, are we getting okie doped right here? Yeah, we are. Let's talk about it. Yo, this vocab, yo, this action, yo, this activity, this behavior, this way of life. Are we okie doking ourselves? Are we getting okie doped? Yes. And that, that, yo, that was such a driving force for me early in my career. And coming back, now it's important for me again. It's important for me to get, I, like, I got some newfound, I don't even know if it's patience or resolve or whatever it is. You know what I mean? But I'm starting to get back to, yo, you know, I wrote a line the other day that's not out, but this is the joint that I recorded on 93rd and Northern with my boy Rusty Joints. Water from the sky, water from the sky. No, I'm going to fail. I'm still going to try water from the sky. And, and I'm back on that. You know what I mean? But I found a place where you can't touch. I found a how I can't come down was really a, yo, I'm free from this responsibility. I, I don't need to burden myself with the type of ills that I was talking about in heaven too. I don't need, that's not my responsibility. I'm free from that. And I can just focus on my records and my, I can live in my own world. And I lived in that world for a little while. And I'm not saying that there's no merit to that world. And maybe it was a good vacation spot, but I definitely stayed there too long. It reminds me a lot. There was an era where you were basically a, also a very prominent blogger. You, you were writing for like Huffington Post and Gawker and sort of taking on a lot of like these social issues that you might have addressed in song and you certainly could have addressed in song, but you were kind of taking it a step further and sort of writing these think pieces. Is, is that what you're referring to when you're kind of talking about separating from a lot of that? Yeah. Those pieces and the response to them really sent me into my, oh, I'm going to give up on everybody thing. You know what I mean? When I wrote those things, I thought that they were going to make a difference. You know what I mean? And I, I, I that, 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 that gave me a lot of energy. You know what I mean? And I was like, yeah, you know, there's opportunities to make a difference. I do care about making a difference. I'm, I believe in God. You know, I like all the trappings of, you know, I like when people think my rhymes is hot. I've been way too driven by lust. And, you know, I don't do my shows for free. I like getting paid. You know what I mean? But 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 I believe in God more than anything else. So I believe God wants me to be out here and do something useful. You know what I mean? So I was like, yo, I'm going to do something useful. And that's just it. I didn't feel like that happened. You know, I just felt like people were like, oh, snap, he's right. But nobody cares. I don't care. I'm not, We're not going to change the way we behave every single day. You know what I mean? Like he's right about this. Oh, look, another distraction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a lot like that. And I I, I didn't take it well, man. I didn't take it well. I I, I lost a lot of faith in, in others. And I started, I, I became real selfish. You know what I mean? Like I became real like, you know, if I'm out here trying to represent and Cass is not going to back me, then forget them. You know what I mean? Which is the wrong attitude. And but But that was my attitude at the time. But when I was writing all that stuff, man, I was really like, yo, I didn't even know that rapping was going to lead to me writing this stuff that people read. But then people didn't even read it. Like, yo, people would be straight up and down. I talk to people that are like, oh, because, you know, yeah, it would be Huffington Post or it would be Gawker or something like that. Some thing that has prestige or something. So they'd be like, oh, my boy saying is getting some prestige popping with his writing. Let's move it around. And they didn't even read the joint. But it's like, oh, it was on whatever, 
You know what I mean? Like, and you know, I understand. I don't understand that. That's stupid. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, cats to read my title or something. Like, read my joints. I, I put I put time into the joints. Or if don't read it, but don't hype me up like I'm doing something. That's why I got the other joint. You know, the first joint that ever came out with uh, with, with, uh, with knowledge before we did problems was was a joint called Give You the World. And 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 there's a rhyme on it was like, oh, saying you're doing your thing, and I'm like, oh, thanks. You, you that means you think my music is is dope, right? And they're like, well, I ain't heard it, but I seen you in a magazine. Yeah, that drove me crazy. It drove me crazy. People making such a big deal about my writing without even reading it, yo. Right, but you know, I think that that kind of speaks to. Uh, I don't even want to call it a trend because I just think it's almost just systematic. But like that, that's bigger than than you or I. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> We're going to go to our uh, next to last, uh, which is a song from the Subject Matter EP from 2012. And the song is called Unforgettable. Jeez, I was thinking about you last week. Underneath a shorty from Bed-Stuy. I met her in the line at the Best Buy. She was just high. I closed my eyes while I was with her and pictured you. This must be difficult for her to listen to. I know it isn't cute, but laws of physics wasn't getting listened to. We was getting physical. Best Buy chick when I met her. Knew it wasn't metaphysical. Must confess, you were the best. Left me Charlie Horse and out of breath. I better be in top. This is a song that is deep and it's very conflicted hormonal feelings. <laughs> uh, my boy John Wayne did that beat. And um, I love that joint, man. I love it, man. You know, it's a composite of a couple of, of women that, 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 you know, I had the good fortune of interacting with throughout my life and how they would be unforgettable to me, even as I moved beyond them into other relationships. I was living in the Lower East Side when I wrote it and I had broken up with this girl and they were unforgettable. They were unforgettable, you know, but, but. Does writing a song about a topic like that, get that out of your system? Or do you find yourself years later like, fuck, I'm doing the same shit that I talked about in the Unforgettable song? You know what is so crazy? Because I've been reading, I've been reading about a, a Native American spirituality a lot. And I read earlier that there's no, in any of the Native American languages, because, you know, there's a bunch of different tribes. None of them have a word for religion and none of them have a word for art. Because their life is all religion. They see God everywhere and everything. You know, it, it ain't a separate thing. And their art is also just a part of their life. Like, you know, they, they would make a little thing and that would be the thing to them. You know, like their whole idea of symbolism is different. I, I, I connected with that a lot because a song like Unforgettable, it wasn't even to get over the, the girls, you know, the, that are the composite, in, the composite in that song. It was just... I still had so much energy and emotion swirling around inside of me. And I was happy I could take it and channel it into a jam. Like every song I make isn't like trauma, like, yo, I got to get this out or else, you know, I'm going to turn completely into a lizard. You know what I'm saying? Because I feel like my life, my whole life is just art. Like the stuff that happens to me is just for jams. Like I just look at what's going on today and how it's going to like you know, how it's going to synthesize into a jam or a rhyme or something like that. Like what art is going to come from it? You know what I mean? It's not a separate thing. For me, it's like I get to journal my life at every at every point. So I do get to go look back at old songs and see if I've made progress from there as an individual or if I'm stuck in a in the same model of behavior, you know. But 
Unforgettable wasn't even really, you know, about a mode of behavior. It was really, it was really just a, just a, I still appreciated those girls. And I still was like, even though we weren't together no more. And, and one of the girls that I was referencing in that joint, all of them, when they heard them, were able to hear themselves in it. You know what I mean? From things that I said. She hadn't heard it because I wound up hanging with her again for a little while. And she, I love I loved playing it for her because it was just love. You know what I mean? It was like, yo, you blew my mind. You know what I'm saying? You blew my mind and, and it just stayed with me. I couldn't, you know, it wouldn't wash off. You know what I mean? And she loved that. You know what I mean? Shouts to the Unforgettable Once. Soul 7. Going back to, we're hopping around now. We're back in 2014. And it is a song from the White Sands project called Fat Belly. Oreos are vegan. So a kettle cook potato chips. Russet flavor be my favorite. Plus my girl in love and don't mind if my belly fat. I love her if her belly fat, but love her belly flat. Yo, that peanut butter jelly be the jam. I wash it down with almond milk. Almond breeze and silk, whatever brand. Trader Joe's that cost the least. Whole Foods though will run you at least a nephew and a niece. My motto is bravado and avocados. Whenever I'm not full, it leaves me hollow. Cause I'm Dominicano, so you know I love our host. Can I be trellis? During hot sauce application, I'ma get a bit overzealous. First, I just have to say that anybody who ever uh, dabbles with veganism has this brilliant moment where they do discover that Oreos are vegan. Yes. It, feel, it feels <laughs> like this this grand discovery. And you here's, here's the thing. I know a lot of vegans who eat terribly unhealthy. And I have been a <laughs> vegan who ate terribly unhealthy. So it's kind of like, I love that you kicked the song off with that, that Oreos are vegan. Because it really is an exciting moment when you discover this. Definitely. Yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. They, you could get away with them, you know. But yeah, there's mad vegans that eat mad French fries and Oreos, and you could definitely be a vegan ready to die. A lot of it is just, it's processed food and carbs. So like that's sort of like where a lot of the unhealthiness comes from. But, you know, for a record like this, this is obviously, you know, we've talked about some songs on here that are way heavier, you know, emotionally. And then this is a song where, you know, this is what a lot of people like about you too. It is just, I guess, taking from the theme that you're saying that you're just this conduit for everything in life and whatever happens to you in life is going to, you know, perhaps find its way into a song. Yeah. We all eat food. All the foods in it are vegan. You know what I mean? Because I was vegan at the time. And it was kind of just a... People always, at the time, was asking me, what do vegans eat? You know, as if there was only one thing, you know. I mean, I you know, I started off with the Oreos, but then I get into, you know, some more healthy options, you know what I'm saying? But And some more unhealthy options too, you know. So yeah, I wanted to let people know that you could get nice and fat or vegan food. You know what I mean? It was kind of vegan representative joint, but also I love to eat. I guess I've never been vegan because vegans like don't sit on leather couches and stuff like that. Respect, dude. You know what I'm saying? You know, my kicks are leather or whatever. You know what I'm saying? But but respect to cats that don't even rock leather because they don't need to kill cows. But I'm I'm not a vegan shamer, though. You know what I mean? Like me and Bodega Steve, we just went to the Bear Burger before this and he got whatever. And I got the Impossible Burger, which I like. I prefer the Beyond Burger. The Impossible Burger, <laughs> I was telling him not only... Tastes to me possible, but at times it even tastes probable. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I prefer the Beyond Burger. The first time that I had an Impossible Burger, I ate it so fast and I hadn't eaten a burger in a minute. I've kind of fluctuated myself between sometimes being vegan, sometimes just eating fish. And then I, I sort of, at this point in my life, I, I try to just eat healthy. And sometimes I do, you know, dabble in other foods. But when I first had an Impossible Burger, I ate it so fast because it tasted like something I hadn't had in such a good, like, long time. And I almost felt sick afterwards, which was probably just from eating it fast. But I almost was, like, second-guessing myself, like, was that an actual burger? Because <laughs> I feel like I'm... 
I feel like I'm going to vomit right now because I ate it so fast. But that's good. I mean, so it hits you good. It hits you like a real burger. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. It kind of reminded me why I hadn't eaten burgers in a minute. I was like, <laughs> oh, this probably isn't how it's supposed to go, right? So you do you do keep a mostly vegan diet now? Well, now now I've been plant based. You know, I call my my diet. Yeah, my diet is vegan because I haven't. You know, since February seventh, I've been vegan of 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 twenty of twenty twenty. You know what I mean? I've been back on my veganism, um, and I'm feeling it. You know, when I wrote Fat Belly, you know, just to keep it all the way real, the girl I was dating at a time who got me back into veganism, she was a vegan, and I knew she would just. L- adore me so much if I made not only a vegan jam, but then put it out. You know what I'm saying? And, and shoot a video for it. And shoot a video. But look, by the time we shot the video, not only was I not with Homegirl no more, but we, and of course, as I'm not, we sitting there eating chicken in the video. If you look at the video, there's mad chicken in the video. You know what I mean? There's even a chicken coop in the video. <laughs> Wait, was that like a shot back at her? Was that like It wasn't a shot up? back. It was just, I realized by that time, oh, I'm not really... I was a lot of this veganism was because of homegirl, you know what I mean? And like now I'm eating again. Now I'm not eating again, but now I'm eating, you know, regular food again. You know? I don't. I'm vegan now, so I'm sorry. I keep doing the the snaps on veganism. I'm eating chicken again. Like chicken tastes mad good. You know what I'm saying? Burgers taste crazy good. A Beyond Burger tastes good, but it don't taste like a burger to me. You know what I mean? Bacon tastes stupid good. Pizza, yo. I want to eat some pizza, but I don't want to eat the pizza because it feels better than me to feel good. And I, and it makes me feel better not to eat pizza. So, you know, everybody got to do whatever make them feel good. You mess with the diet cheese? You, you do the diet cheese at all? The diet cheese is cool, but the diet cheese is like, like what you say, like the diet cheese was from, is from some laboratory. You know what I mean? Like you read the back and it's like, What's in it? Photosynthesis or something? I mean, nah, I, mean, I think even photosynthesis is too natural for, for what it actually is. <laughs> it's like robot robot LED lights or something. <laughs> it, it's so interesting, I think, and it speaks to the character of your catalog in that you're so it's so honest and distilled, seemingly, you know, to what's going on in your life that and when you're even revisiting some of these things. It, it doesn't even agree with you because it's so specific to what it was at the time. Like, we, we listened to a song from the Hallways record and you're like, ah, I feel like that was kind of a trope. And now it's like, you know, you're looking and you, you're able to hear a song and actually think about what your actual culinary intake was at that time because it's such a document, you know? So, like, songs are just, like, notes that you're taking, right? Yeah, yeah. They, you know, they're, 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 they're like... Uh... You know, posts like like not not a post like posting something online, like a like an actual post of like as a kid, you know, your you, your mother might draw the line like how tall you are. You know what I'm saying? Like my jams are like that line. You know what I mean? Like this is where I was at. Boom, right here. You know what I mean? This is where I was at. Boom, right here. You know what I mean? I mean, I think I was just lucky to absorb so much flavor, you know, from 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 the musicians that I grew up listening to, and and I still absorb, you know, like. I was just in an innocent country yesterday, you know, the new Quelle joint. Like, I'm so hyped that I did a record with this brother, you know what I'm saying? Because I definitely am catching energy off his joints. Like, oh, I want to absorb this, you know what I'm saying? All glory be to God, you know, that I feel that I'm able to have some, you know, some, some, some flavor when I'm doing my little signs, my little how tall I am, you know, slices. But they really, for me, they, they how tall I am slices... It's good for me to check in with myself, you know what I mean? And the act of creativity, I'm so addicted to it, man. You know, I'm just so addicted to it. And, you know, Gabor Mate, who I shouted out with the trauma thing, 
you know, he kind of feels like all addictions are bad because they all come from the same place. So not bad, but he's like, yo, it's better to be addicted to ramen than it is to be addicted to crack. But they both are because you haven't dealt with something. You know what I mean? But I still love ramen a lot. And I think that fans are all the better for it. Big shout out to Visitor for coming through and sharing the stories of Homeboy Sandman's songs. Homeboy Sandman's latest album, Don't Feed the Monster, is available now on Mellow Music Group. So be sure you check that out. Thank you guys so much for all the support that you've been giving to the podcast. Make sure if you haven't done so already that you subscribe, you leave a comment, you rate, you do all those good things to help amplify the message of this show. I really appreciate the support so far. Again, thank you. Who do you want to see come on the show next? You can holler at me at Sean Dammit, S-E-A-N-D-A-M-M-I-T on Twitter or Instagram, or shoot me an email at can'tknocktheshuffle at gmail.com. Peace.